0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Mr. Jack Kropp for Sharing Recovery. I'm Jack
1: Kropp and this is Sharing Recovery Radio. Our mission with this radio show is to share the message that people do recover. There is recovery as possible for anybody who wants it. Anybody who wants to reach out to us, we will help you. 570-881-5825. We want to help anybody that's listening, family member, loved one, you, yourself, whatever it is, we're here to help. Today we have a guest, uh, Shana Stefanik. She is the director of admissions at Silver Pine Treatment Center in Mahanoy City. And we're going to talk about what inpatient treatment is. But before we get to that, we're going to talk to Shana and hear her story because a majority of the people, well, just about anybody that's on this show, is in recovery, and we want to hear stories. For the fact we, we don't need to hear logs we all have the same stories. Our lives were a mess. But we like to hear stories from people so people understand no matter where you were, you can get you can have a nice life. You can have a life that's beyond your wildest dreams. So with that, we're gonna get started here. Shayna, welcome to our show.
2: Hi guys.
1: And today we'd like to talk about you and your story for a little bit. Okay. So Shayna oh, oh. How old were you? What was it? Where did this all start? How old were you when it started?
2: Um, I was about 14 years old the first time that I had um, a drink that I okay, tried so alcohol. you started with alcohol? Yeah, started with alcohol. Um, by the time I was probably 16, um, I had experimented with cocaine, LSD, uh, marijuana, you know, those types of things. Um never into I never tried anything um, what ended up actually being my drug of choice by the time I was thirty six years old like my my drugs of choice at that time when I was in high school and uh, graduating high school were completely different and um, when I was eighteen, I'd gotten into some trouble um, due to my using um, never thought I was an addict I didn't know that you know that that was even an option. I just thought that my partying was out of control and I needed to reel it back in. Um, So I'd kind of gotten it together for a little bit, still drank occasionally, still partied here and there, but like maintain that exterior Dynamic where like it looked like I had everything together.
1: And this is while you were in high school.
2: High school when I graduated high school.
1: But you weren't um, twenty one yet. I mean, nope, you're, you're nope. Still- I was
2: eighteen, seventeen, eighteen years old. Um, I'd gotten into some trouble, and I was like, wait a second, like something's going on here. I'm I'm out of control. Um, so I had like maybe like slowed down a little bit and only drank occasionally. I wasn't as bad as I was in in, in high school. High school, I, I it was I was partying all the time.
1: And that and that's a point I like to make. A lot of us, like I started to drink when I was eight years old, mm. and in high school I drank on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. When you're when you have the mind of an addict, when you have the the attitude that we have, that's perfectly normal, isn't it? To be in high school, to be drinking, to party. Yeah, and we never called it party. I'm old. Don't forget, it. I'm not a kid like mm, you. I'm so, not a kid either. <laughs> but but we didn't. You know, we drank all the time. It was perfectly normal behavior. Is that how you felt when you were that age? Yeah,
2: I, I could remember. I think I might have been in in tenth grade, and um, I was drinking fireball before I went to school. <laughs> like that's what we did. It was me and, and some of the kids that that um, I drove to school with because I didn't have my driver's license yet, and we would go and we'd pull off to the side of, uh, of the road and we'd do a couple of shots, smoke a cigarette, and then we'd go to school for the day. Like that was normal. And it was a lot different, you know, 25 years ago when, when I was in, in, in you know, high school, not necessarily graduating, but like ninth, 10th grade, where there was a lot more leniency. So you could kind of come and go as you please. When I was in school, it wasn't so strict. So then
1: know, people we, weren't as aware. I no, mean, fa- no. families, teachers, school <laughs> systems, they weren't aware. No. As they are today. I mean, and of course, the media has changed. Social media and all that has made things so obvious today. But when you were in high school, people just kind of took and looked the other way, right? They just, they ignored. It was the
2: normal thing to do. It it was the normal thing to do. And and even in high school, until I was about 18, like my senior year in high school, I had no consequences. You know, I was a cheerleader. I had good grades. I, uh, I worked full time. I was, you know, pretty much fully self-supporting. Um, so again, it was like, it, that's just what you did. You, you, you went to school, you did what you had to do. And in between you, you had a good time. That was a, that was a normal way of living for me. That was the
1: normal set. All right, so that was perfectly normal life. Absolutely. All right, so now you're 18 years old. High school's over. Do you go to college? Is that I did.
2: I went. I went to college, like to a community college. Um, Where did you grow up? H- the Hazleton area. West. Okay. H- I'm originally from West Hazleton. So um, I went to a community college um, local around here. I studied uh, culinary arts. I did my college internship at Walt Disney World you know, at a French Mediterranean restaurant. Like, really? you know, I, I really, like I I did good things, but I always, there was always for me, and not until I came into recovery, there was always a void. You know, I talk about like my first drug of choice always being fantasy and daydreaming. Like I I never felt comfortable in my own skin. No matter if I had straight A's, if I was on the cheerleading squad, if I was pretty or whatever, or I was with the in crowd, I, I, there, was, there was always something missing on, on the inside. I never wanted to be who I was or where I was or going through what I was going through. And drugs and alcohol fixed that. Early on, I, I knew that.
1: You know, that's interesting because so many of us in recovery have that Walter Mitty fantasy that, you know, we want to be something other than we are. We dream about, you know, being an airline pilot or, you know, in, in some cases, like in my case, I always dreamed about being the head greenskeeper at Augusta National. It doesn't have to be something, you know, it's not... Hollywood for all of us. It's just a dream of doing something other than what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Not comfortable with where we are and who we are. But we don't know that that's what we're thinking at that time. You know, we just, that's just how we think. So, we turn to drugs and alcohol Mm -hmm. to think differently. So... Now you go to Disney World. You do an internship. What is your plan? You're going to be a chef somewhere. I
2: was going to be yeah. I was going to be a chef. Um, I, I was you know I was w- with a, a, a great guy who who came you know from this great dynamic and and I thought that I was going to become this chef and and you know be married and have the white picket fence and and everything was going to be okay. Kind of of kind of maybe like a little bit of the complete opposite of what I experienced growing up. You know, I didn't have that family.
1: Your childhood wasn't as stable as that, Shane?
2: Yeah, you know, my parents were divorced when I was young. Um, I think I was two, two years old. Um, I lived with my mom. You know, and it wasn't... um, I always knew that it wasn't normal. Like, I I would see, like, how my my friends would live and, and what their family dynamic was like when I would stay at their houses, which I always wanted to be at somebody else's house. I never wanted to be at my own. Um... I knew it wasn't It wasn't normal and I, I craved that normal family dynamic, if that makes sense. It
1: makes perfect sense. I mean, even though I grew up in what appeared to be a normal family, my father had a good job, my mother was a stay-at-home mom, and from the outside looking in, that's what it looked like. What nobody knew other than the four of us on the inside of the house was that my mother drank every day from noon till nine. She was never drunk never out of control but she could not go a day without that drinking her brothers were the same way I I had an uncle that would stop at our house during the day at 10 o'clock in the morning he would have a shot and a beer with my mother Mm. that was perfectly normal behavior so yes I understand that what you're saying, that you wanted something different yeah. than what you started out with. And so, yeah, we all have that idea in our head about that white picket fence. Yeah, I wanted
2: what I saw on TV, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I thought, I wanted to see what I what I saw on, on, on TV, like those, you know, just the, the normal, or, or whatever, you know, society deems as normal family family unit. And I and I and I worked hard to achieve that. And I and I met a great guy and, and we'd gotten married and um we achieved that. You know, we we got married and, and we, you know, were educated and we had good jobs and, and and businesses and different things. And um for a lot of years it looked like I had the, I had everything I ever wanted, but no matter what I did, I was like, I was just so angry and like, and empty on the inside, and I never had any self worth or or um, self esteem. Like I, I again, I, I, just couldn't, I couldn't explain it. Um, what I, w- what I was feeling, I never, I just never felt good enough. No matter what I had on the exterior. You know, like the old the old saying goes, Gucci on the outside, Kmart on the inside.
1: <laughs> I've never heard that before, but, but I
2: like it. You never it. heard that in your fellowship? No. <laughs> I hear it in uh, mine all the time. I've
1: never heard that.
2: You know, but I came in, like I started out, it was like Gucci on the outside, like Dollar Tree on the inside. And then you kind of go to Kmart and then you go to Target you know what i mean like there's different levels of, of self-worth once you continue to recover like right now i'm at like target level on the inside
1: okay that's, that's good that's progress yeah, <laughs> yeah because before we were at the dollar general yes okay we're at like so, target <laughs> <laughs> so now now we're you've got this fantasy life getting started but something went wrong didn't yeah. it?
2: yeah and I, and i'll talk about that you know when I was 18, which was 21 years ago, um, like what ended up being my drug of choice, which was, was heroin, was taboo in my area. Like it wasn't as booming as it is now and, and on the streets. 21 years 21 ago. 21 years ago. There was
1: the opiate, there was not an opiate epidemic- absolutely not. That we're seeing today. Right. Certainly there was heroin. I had a, yeah, a cousin- absolutely. I had a cousin who died from a heroin overdose in the 60s. Mm. But back then it was like, what that was only inner city people, yep. you know. Yes. That was only a certain section of the of the world. Yeah. So what you're saying is, 20 years ago, when when you got started, heroin then was like really from somewhere far out. It was in, it was from the city,
2: state. and that's and the group of friends that I had at the time. Um, you know, they're, they're, we were, we were a tight knit group, and and some of them started uh, to use heroin. And I rem- I can remember being 18 years old, and I, I talk about this all the time is i i knew then at 18 that um if i ever tried heroin that it was going to either kill me or bring me to my knees so i'd gone off into like a separate a separate direction you know what i mean like I, I maybe i was drinking maybe i was you know smoking some weed or whatever like over the years but like at 18 i was petrified of heroin
1: Right, and, and so then after drinking I, and weed are just social. That's just, uh, that's just social. That's yeah. normal. Every kid in the world is doing it. Yeah, that's perfectly okay.
2: Absolutely, but and we, there were some other drugs, but it was it, again, it was like it was a, a social environment.
1: Right, it's it's when you get to that line and then cross that line and go over to the heroin, mm-hmm. that something changes, not only in your use, but in how you feel about yourself and how you're looking at the world at that point, right? Yeah.
2: And when it, what ended up happening, um, I had gotten, you know, I was married, I, I had a career, we were doing well, I had my son, um, right after I had my son, I instantly got pregnant with my daughter again, you know, so I, I was pregnant, fairly close in in my kids are very close in age and after i had my daughter i had a car accident um a terrible terrible injury where therein lies the prescription painkillers now i never knew All right, stop right oh.
1: there for one second we need to take a break for for the um to talk about the sponsors okay. uh, and then we're going to come back to that because okay. I, we got to hear about that
0: okay for over 35 years, Fitness Headquarters in Wilkesbury and Dixon City has been supplying the area with vitamins, supplements, fitness equipment from rehabilitation to athletic performance. A knowledgeable staff on hand can get you on the right path to your recovery with the proper supplements and vitamins. Let the professionals at Fitness Headquarters get you on the path to feeling good and getting healthy. Fitness Headquarters are proud sponsors of Sharing Recovery. Fitness Headquarters, Dixon City and Wilkesbury. Get into a healthy you through recovery. Stop suffering from substance abuse. Silver Pines Treatment Center in Mahanoy City believes in providing home-like living conditions in a peaceful and serene setting, professional staff on hand to help you with this life-changing experience. Get into a healthy you at Silver Pines Treatment Center, 5 White Owl Drive in Mahanoy City. Call them at 855-662-1319 or visit silverpinestreatmentcenter.com. When you're hurt or in trouble, you need a capable, determined, and experienced lawyer on your side. That attorney is Jason Mattioli. Attorney Jason Mattioli is a highly regarded and professional lawyer who understands sometimes good people wind up in trouble. He will defend you to the end and provide you with the guidance you need to get your life back. Attorney Mattioli is located at 700 Vine Street in Scranton. Call 570-961-1616. 570 961 one, one, six, one,
1: And Jack, And we'd like to welcome you back to the next segment of today's show. And before we get started, if there's anybody with questions or comments and you'd like to call in, the number is 570-883-0098. If you have questions for me or for Shayna, please call in. We're, we'll be more than happy to answer questions. We're we'll more than happy to help anybody we can. Just before the break, you mentioned that you started with pain. Mm-hmm. With prescription drugs, let's talk about that now because okay. we hear that all the time that yep. heroin addiction started with a, with a prescription drug addiction. Absolutely,
2: and um, I never knew even you know now here I'm I guess maybe I was like twenty five, twenty six years old when I, I started to be uh, prescribed these painkillers. Even at eighteen, like I never knew the the connection. I, I we didn't we just didn't use stuff like that like when when I was growing up. Um, so here I am and all of a sudden I have this endless supply of of strong opiate painkillers. And when you say an endless supply, how did you have an endless supply? My doctor would just write the script. You know, I had injuries. um, I had multiple surgeries on my arms, um, different, you know, other surgeries, things that were going on, back injuries, neck injuries, um, a slew of car accidents. So it was it was like a it was genuinely an endless supply of, of painkillers. Um, and from the from the gate, from the gecko, I talk about this all the time, like within the first, I don't know, couple of weeks, whatever it may have been, like I remember that feeling. And and I go back to where I was sitting in, in the room in my house and, and what was even on the TV when that feeling hit me. Like the feeling that I was chasing my whole life. Life, Like just complete euphoria of like, oh my God, like whatever I'm feeling right now, because I was abusing the pills from from the get-go. Um, it made me a better wife, a better mother, a better career woman. I was able to clean my house better. I was a better friend. Like it just, it hit me all at once that, that one time. And from that point on, I chased that feeling.
1: So the opiates. Mm-hmm. Gave you a feeling that you never had before. All of a sudden, I'm taking opiates and life is okay. Yeah, life is just perfect. Exactly
2: what I've always wanted it to be.
1: Yeah, I can do anything I want at this point Mm -hmm. as long as I'm taking the opiates. Yeah. All right. Now it goes downhill from there, right? Yeah. You never after that first feeling of that euphoria, you never get it again, do you? Never. Never. All right. So tell me, how much were you? How much? prescription medicine were you taking a day
2: oh god i mean it could it depend on what i it, it would depend on what i what i would have um you know if i had roxy 30s it would be you know maybe five to six a day five to eight a day depending on on what i had um the higher the milligram you wouldn't have to take as much but sometimes you take a couple extra you know just to maybe get that feeling because that's that's the disease, is you're constantly chasing that feeling, so you're just taking and taking and taking, and and you don't even realize what you're doing to yourself, but you're never going to achieve that feeling.
1: Well, well now that's interesting. You said you were taking five or six a day. Mm-hmm. We've had people on this show that have told us they've taken 50 a sure, day. Sure, absolutely. And, and, and that's, it's different for everyone.
2: It's absolutely different uh, for everybody.
1: Everyone. Addiction is different for every person. Mm -hmm. Recovery is is different for every person. But everybody's addiction, just because... I don't want somebody listening to say, Oh, you're only taking five a day. That's nothing.
2: Well, and let's talk about... We can absolutely talk about that. Yeah, let's talk about
1: that because... You can take five a day and it destroys your life, and I need 50 a day to destroy my life. But if you need 50 a day, you're going to get there, right?
2: Absolutely. And and everybody, however anybody gets there, is quicker or, or how fast or how slow is their journey. But at this point, when I was using, you know, Roxy 30s or something of that high milligram dosage, it's because I was cut off by the doctor and I had to turn to the street. So I couldn't afford, you know what I mean? Like, it was... It was getting to the point where i was i was buying things off of the street and, and when
1: you say buying things you were buying pharmaceuticals off the street absolutely okay so yeah. you were going out and buying pills yep. on a street corner somewhere yeah is that you know that you can do that like absolutely there's people and if you selling- can't find
2: people selling them they're in somebody's medicine cabinet okay. you will you know somebody that has something in their medicine cabinet
1: and so now we just help ourselves.
2: Absolutely, it's like a buffet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a buffet of a buffet of opiates. Yeah,
2: a buffet of death sentences.
1: All right, so at some point we run out of pharmaceuticals, uh-huh. or they're just not getting the job done, and you right?
2: You just can't. They're not getting the job done. It's too expensive. Your scripts cut off. Um, you, you don't know what to do, and then and, and
1: somebody then, makes a suggestion oh. to you. All right. What do they suggest? You say, well,
2: you know, I mean, if you just try this, it's like way cheaper and the high is better.
1: All right. And when they say try this, they just say try heroin. Try heroin.
2: Especially when you're when you're because the dope like the, the, when you're dope sick, when you're going through that withdrawal, whether it be opiates or heroin it's It's the same thing, like you just want to be better, so when you're out of money and you have no ways and means to get your pills and i and and pills were my drug of choice for years before I turned to heroin.
1: You say years, how many years?
2: um maybe like three, four, five, okay you know around there twenty about four or five um and because I was able to maintain the habit. I was getting the scripts from the doctor i I was still you know, um, able to buy them from, from people or steal them from people wherever I could find them. So I was, again, and, and I knew that I had a problem, but I'm like, well, these are legal. You know these are legal right. and 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 I'm just you know these are prescribed pills even when so, I when so they that's work. how you
1: rationalized it in your for yourself that these are prescription medicines mm-hmm. I, I'm not like them I'm not like I'm them. not I'm not going down to the hood to buy a bag right I'm going into the drugstore I'm, I'm walking in and I've yeah. got my purse and my car and I'm mm-hmm. walking in and I have a prescription so it doesn't matter if I'm taking 20 of these right. at a time it's perfectly legal because my doctor said it's okay right. and there are so many people out there right now that feel the same way. Yeah. There are people that are going to work as doctors, lawyers, accountants, in factories, in all kinds of teachers, in all walks of life that are taking a handful of pills every day and they're in denial. Mm-hmm. They're saying, I don't have a problem. These are prescribed for me. Yep. So, okay, so every once in a while I take more than the bottle says to take. But it's okay because my doctor knows I need these. Yep. And that's how you felt, Gotta right? That's how you
2: justify it. Sure. And, and that's my experience. Like you said, you know, you, you, you know, some of, I would walk into the pharmacy or whatever and I would have my car and, and my purse and my career. Like I had everything on the outside. I had the beautiful home, the great husband, the son, the daughter, the career, the money. What, everything on the outside what looked to be perfect and I was still abusing painkillers. You know what I mean? Like I still it doesn't matter. Like this disease does not discriminate. It doesn't matter if you're living under a bridge or if you're living in a in a cute little development.
1: Uh, And that's and that's absolutely correct.
2: And that's where it gets confused with with a lot of the stigma.
1: I I met a young man one day and he had been abusing painkillers, and then he went to heroin, and that young man was a welder on a nuclear Mm. power plant. Mm -hmm. And I said to him, you were working as a welder at a nuclear power plant. He said, yeah. And I said, uh, he said, but don't think I'm the only one. Right. He said, I know 40 people that are doing the exact same thing on that job right now. And that young man lasted another two days and died of an overdose. Uh. And, and that's that's what's happening. I, I put on Facebook all the time, one pill can kill because mm-hmm. right now the stuff that's on the streets is all laced with fentanyl mm-hmm. and it's killing people. One at a th- It's just one shot, we're done. Yep. And so so, at some point, you said, "I can't get any more pills. I can't get any more prescriptions." What did you do, Shane?
2: So I, you know, I knew someone, and and it was there, and it was offered, and 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 I did it. You know, I, I, I tried it, and at first, you start out. I mean, I don't know. I started out, you know, by snorting it. Um, and, it and, was, and we're
1: talking about heroin. Yeah, now, we're talking just about so heroin. The audience knows what you're yeah, referring to. We're talking to. about heroin. We're talking just about heroin. Yep, yeah,
2: and and again, this is you know a couple years ago because uh, you know. Um, How
1: long have you been in recovery, Shane?
2: Just over three years. I just had okay. three years so this is, May. We're not okay.
1: talking about 25 years, though. This no, is recent. This is in, very recent. Okay. So now now you start with heroin. Yep. And you start snorting heroin.
2: Yep. And I don't think I have a problem, you know, because it, when you're snorting it and you're, your tolerance, it's, it's a to- totally different experience where I could, um, it would last me a lot longer. But that that goes away really, really fast. So then, again, you're buying more. It's it's just like the pills. You're buying, you know, more bundles, more bags of, of, of heroin um, to achieve that high. And then that stops. And then the next thing you know, you know, you're using a syringe.
1: Okay, so now... now you get to that point where you're going to start shooting heroin mm-hmm. right how is life at home at this point with horrible. your husband and kids and horrible I mean, are, d- d- does your husband have any
2: clue he he knew my my poor poor husband he knew that i that i was addicted to pills he knew that i was abusing i mean he, he knew that there was something wrong and that as time went on i was becoming unhinged um he just did, he's not an addict You know, so he just did. And my mom, like my mom knew I was becoming unhinged as well. They just didn't know what to do because for still for a very long time, everything on the outside appeared to be okay. Like I really wasn't suffering any consequences yet. My life wasn't. Too unmanageable from what they knew, but um, I was a master manipulator, and I would justify everything and whatever. You know what I mean? You do, we do what we have to do to shut people up when we're when we're in our active addiction. I don't have a problem. You're the problem. Blah blah blah. So at one point, I had tried to you know I was confronted, and um, you know I would never be honest. I was never getting honest, completely honest. And I had tried to do like a maintenance program and um, do some outpatient and uh, it just, I could not stay clean. Could not stay clean.
1: All right now, as this is all occurring, are you having any problems? Are you getting in any trouble? I mean-
2: um, I'm not in any legal trouble just yet, but at this point, I was down to like towards the very end for me. Um, I weighed 80 pounds. I'd lost my career of, of 12 years.
1: And what what had you been doing for 12 years,
2: Shane? Um, I was a director of food service. Okay. for for a company um, for years, and I, I loved it, and and I loved the the company, and I loved what I did. Um, but I was. I was just sick. Like they thought I had an eating disorder. Or they thought, you know, that I had thyroid issues. I could never say that I had that I was addicted to drugs or, or what was really going on. And I and I did. I weighed 80 pounds towards the end for me. Like I was actually wearing my daughter's underwear and didn't even realize it and she was ten years old.
1: Wow. So now now you're at this point, mm-hmm. something breaks, something something creates a change what caused this to change shane
2: so um you know toward like the, the very end um i knew you know let me let me be clear like i had surrendered that i was an addict years before i ever got clean but i just didn't know how to get help Okay, my that, that was my ego. question.
1: Yeah. You, you knew you were an addict years before. Absolutely. You were okay with that? You were just going to live I out? Was or not you just okay. didn't know what to do? I didn't
2: know what to do. My because that's
1: my g- point here. This whole show is yeah. what you're saying right now is there are people listening that have family members. Maybe people themselves that are addicts. They don't know what to do. And that's where you were at. You you knew there was a problem, but you didn't know what to do about it.
2: I didn't know what to do because of the stigma. You know, there's the
1: stigma of addiction. The
2: stigma of addiction. It was like I can't let anybody know that this is how I ended up. I mean, I have a beautiful house and I have a beautiful husband in a car. People would just think that I was this horrible person. It's all about like an image in my brain. Uh huh. Um. So I, I just really hoped that I would die. Every night before I went to bed, I say this all the time. Every night before I went to bed, I prayed to God I won't wake up the next morning. It's
1: I God. I hear so many uh, uh, people in addiction say that, that they just put their heads down at night saying, please, God, make this the end. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to go through this tomorrow. My family doesn't yep. have to go through this tomorrow. And when we talk about the stigma of addiction, I always like, and, and I, I think just about every show I have, I like to give a shout out to Tony Luke Jr., who's a friend of mine who started... Hashtag brown and white and his whole mission is he lost his son to addiction. Mm. And his whole mission is to help break that stigma of addiction. Because that stigma of addiction is killing people. Yes. The heroin's killing people, the fentanyl's killing people, but the stigma of addiction is is uh, killing people. We're gonna take a break and we'll come back and, and talk about some more things.
0: Get into a healthy you through recovery Stop suffering from substance abuse Silver Pines Treatment Center in Mahanoy City believes in providing home-like living conditions in a peaceful and serene setting, professional staff on hand to help you with this life-changing experience Get into a healthy you at Silver Pines Treatment Center, 5 White Owl Drive in Mahanoy City Call them at 855-662-1319 or visit SilverPinesTreatmentCenter.com For over 35 Five years, Fitness Headquarters in Wilkesbury and Dixon City has been supplying the area with vitamins, supplements, fitness equipment from rehabilitation to athletic performance. A knowledgeable staff on hand can get you on the right path to your recovery with the proper supplements and vitamins. Let the professionals at Fitness Headquarters get you on the path to feeling good and getting healthy. Fitness Headquarters are proud sponsors of Sharing Recovery. Fitness Headquarters, Dixon City and Wilkesbury. When you're hurt or in trouble, you need a capable, determined, and experienced lawyer on your side. That attorney is Jason Mattioli. Attorney Jason Mattioli is a highly regarded and professional lawyer who understands sometimes good people wind up in trouble. He will defend you to the end and provide you with the guidance you need to get your life back. Attorney Mattioli is located at 700 Vine Street in Scranton. Call 570-961-1616. 570 961
1: All right, here we go. We're back and we'd like to talk now about what was Shane was saying just before the break was that stigma of addiction. And the stigma of addiction is killing just as many people as the addiction because there are so many people listening to us that just don't know what to do. They're afraid. They're ashamed. They're embarrassed to say, I have a problem and I need help. Now, Shana, that's what I'd like to talk about for the rest of the show is that help. Okay. So at some point, you said somebody, and finally you broke down and said to somebody, "I need help." Right?
2: Well, it's <laughs> not exactly how it went, um, but um, the, the, the the at the end for me, it was there. I was given a choice. You know, and who I, gave I, you the I, choice? I was confronted. Um, it was my husband. It was my mom. It was my my best friend um, Colleen and a couple of other. Um, close-knit friends that like started to put the pieces together like, oh, oh, oh my God, this girl's a mess. And um, some other things had happened um, that I'm not gonna get into, but they um, they had come to my house and I remember, so we like, I vaguely remember I was like frantically hanging laundry up in my closet. And like, I knew, I heard, I saw all these people pulling up my driveway and i knew what was going on like part of me knew that like the gig was up they'd come in and i just remember crying and i remember my friend saying to me like come on like it's it's time like it's going to be okay and i remember crying and crying and crying and thinking thank god it's over it's over like i wasn't upset that i got caught or that people knew i was using or what was going on i was relieved that it was over i surrendered it, the gig was up so um you know, I was given I was given some options, and and I wanted to go to treatment. I want, and, and, and that's what I want to talk about too, like with with Silver Pines, and and you know I had to wait five days to get into treatment. Five days. People don't have five minutes today.
1: Because you had to wait five days because you couldn't find couldn't a bed, bed at a treatment center. Right, in an
2: inpatient and detox that was, and res.
1: And that was three years ago. Yep. Right now, people don't have five days. They don't have five minutes. People are dying. Yep. Instantly, yep. I mean, you talk about those people coming to see you and stuff, your family, your friends. You know, when when I came to recovery, intervention was different. Intervention was a group, you know, like a family, friends. They sat around. They had somebody run this intervention. They all had letters telling you what you how you had screwed up their lives. That's not what intervention is today. Intervention today is being in the street with the person that has the needle, and and taking them from there to a treatment center. There is no more waiting, there's no more, we'll get to you in a couple of days. Mm -hmm. You and I both know, as recently as last night, you know, at nine o'clock at night, I call you and yep. say we need help now. Yep. And by eleven o'clock, we've got a kid going into a treatment program. That's what that's what intervention is today. Mm-hmm. But back then, you you were told you had to wait. Mm-hmm. And how did that work out? Did you 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 obviously waited those few days? So. I did.
2: I did. Um, I used. Well,
1: I used. You have I was, to. Or you, you have can't. to.
2: I had to. It, it was. It was. A, it was Mother's Day weekend. It was horrible. The whole thing. You know. I was. I was just. Uh, Maintaining I wasn't even get I was at by this point. God knows I wasn't getting high um, So I was so you were using but not getting high no, I was just so I could like you, you were just my
1: using teeth. just so you didn't get sick
2: So you yeah, could at least function
1: at some level
2: very minimal level, okay. but so I didn't you know uh, My my kids weren't allowed at the house. My, my husband was working and I, I literally, you know, was like laying in a bed for for five days um, and then you know, and then I checked into treatment and um, yeah, I waited, I, but, but I, I surrendered and that, that's the difference. And I, I wanted to go to treatment and I wanted to get better. So, um, you know, that was three years ago. And, um, you know, today with, with, with the, the treatment aspect of it now is like you just said, is like people, people are dying when they're picking up, they're trying something for the first time and they're dying. And it's not even necessarily like the, the drug. It's if the ways and means don't kill you, the the drug will kill you or the withdrawal. You know, depending on what your drug of choice is, um, it's going to kill you. So, you know, that's where you and I work good together um, and and we get them in as soon as possible.
1: All right. So now, you went to a treatment center. Mm -hmm. You spent 28 days there. Yeah. And when you came out, you were stable.
2: (laughs) I don't know if I was stable, Well, you were no longer using. (laughs) I was not using. You came out of there clean. Yes.
1: All right. But, that doesn't mean for the rest of you that's it like that doesn't mean recovery ends there that recovery starts just began when you leave treatment recovery begins Yep. and there are recovery programs that 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 are based on on the 12 steps Mm -hmm. in in an abstinence-based recovery world out there that i participate in on a daily basis and so do you yes all right so you leave a treatment center and now you start a journey in recovery yep and your life started to get better yeah Right? Immediately.
2: Yeah, yeah, like it... it, I I don't want to... It 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 takes work. It took, you know, doing doing what the what they told me to do. Because at this point, I had put the drugs down, but now I didn't know how to live my life.
1: How do you live life without drugs? You've been doing drugs since since
2: I was fourteen years old. Since you were
1: fourteen years old, you were putting some substance in your body body to cope with life.
2: Yes. So I had no idea. You
1: didn't know that's what you were doing. No. You just thought that was normal. Yes. But that's how you coped with life. Now we've taken the drugs and the alcohol away. Now how do I cope with life? How do we do it? That's
2: where that's that's where my that's program, where that's where my program came into my right. life, and and you know, and I, all I knew at that point, um, for me was that I didn't want to use anymore, and you know, those with time kept saying, just keep coming back, just keep coming back, you know, and I, I wanted to learn how to how to live a, a new life and 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 recover and just begin to to. Function. I didn't even, I didn't know how to go to the grocery store. I didn't know how to be a mom. I didn't know how to be a wife. Um, and, and I went through some, I went through some things in early recovery. Um, but I didn't pick up. You know, we have a sponsor. They told me to get a sponsor, get a home group, do a 90-90. And I did all of that. I followed those rules. But even today, you know, your sponsor gives you suggestions. Yeah. Like maybe I'll follow it. But when the pain's great enough, we begin
1: to change. Exactly. It's how, how much pain can you tolerate right. now without using? Right. Well, you'll find out in recovery. Absolutely. Because you'll get suggestions. You'll go through life events. I've gone through a lot of life events, and I went to prison twice sober. My grandson died while I was sober. My, young, my daughter, Carly, had to go to treatment twice while I was sober. I didn't think about drinking because I had the program of recovery to work on to help me through those events Mm -hmm. but You've got to follow the suggestions and you've got to let somebody else help you with your life because left to my own device, I go right back to vodka.
2: Well, our our best thinking, you know, that's how I got into the rooms or into treatment. And I
1: walked I walked into recovery from the street. I didn't go to a treatment center. And the first day I was in that meeting, someone looked at me and said, is there anybody new? And I didn't know what to say. And he looked right at me and I said, yeah, I'm Jack and I'm an alcoholic. And I felt a relief that day mm. that I've only felt once in my life. I mean, okay, now I've said it. Now the whole world knew it. You know, like when I would when I would tell people I think I might have a problem with drinking, they'd all laugh and say, Well, were you the only one who didn't know?
2: <laughs> well, we're the so, last to know. Well,
1: yeah. <laughs> so that's where that's where it is. I mean, in a program of recovery is where we need to be. Yeah. But between using at a program of recovery we have that middle ground and that's what we're going to talk about now mm-hmm. it's we've said a million times on this show treatment you got to go to treatment well now let's talk about what is a treatment program and how does somebody get into one mm-hmm. because yesterday i had four or five phone calls people wanting to go to treatment but people family members don't understand right People that have never done this before don't understand. So let's talk about that. What is the process of getting into a treatment center? Somebody decides right now. A parent listening right now says, okay. We're going to take our child. We're going to take them a silver pine. Right. What happens? What, what's the first step?
2: Okay. Well, the first, the first step is to either call us or they could visit our website. Um, you can fill out information on the website. If you're looking for, uh, you know, uh, seeking treatment, it'll come right to, to me or to somebody else in uh, the administration part. Um, we'll get that information right away. Whether you call, whether you email, you text, whatever you're going to do. And the first step is, you know, say it's a phone call. They're going to say, blah, blah, blah. I'm calling for myself. I'm calling for somebody else. This is what's going on. Now, for me, because I'm nine out of ten times, I'm the one that answers the phone. Um, Before, I'm like, well, let me know if you have insurance. Like, I want to find out what's going on. You know, what kind of, what's the drug of choice? Um, are you ready to come to treatment? How you know, just a couple of, of personal, uh, relatable questions. And then I'm gonna get into the insurance questions. Um, I'm gonna run, you know, I'm gonna run a, a verification of benefits. You know, we- uh,
1: Well, let's, let's we're, we're, going, we're going faster than people can listen right okay. now. Because you and I understand what you're talking about. Sure. But a person calls you and they say, I gotta get my son into your program. And I have Cigna Insurance, and I'll just use that as an example. Sure. People automatically assume because they have an insurance card that their loved one is going to be admitted. Mm. That that all insurance that insurance is insurance, right? And it's not the case, no. is it? No. There, there's different levels of insurance. There's different types of insurance. So there's a process we have to go through to determine whether or not. An insurance has what's called a benefit to use at Silver Pines, yes, right? Yes,
2: yes. And there's different factors. Are we in network, out of network? Um, you know, different, just different um, things that they're gonna we're gonna take into consideration with the insurance um, to make sure that their their stay at Silver Pines is going to be covered. You know, we don't want to bring somebody in and then have them be stuck with this huge bill. So what they're gonna do is they're gonna give me that information. I'm going to verify it, get the details, and then discuss it with them. Um, that process might take you know 15 minutes at, at the most, um, and then we'll discuss that. And if their if they you know if their insurance is, works with us, and and we can make it happen, um, then the next step for me is I'm going to I'm going to talk to the potential, and I'm going to get some background.
1: When you say the potential, you mean the potential patient? Yes,
2: the potential admission, yeah.
1: All right, we're going to take a break now. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the process of going to treatment. Uh
0: This is WYLK, powered by Sherwood Chevrolet Buick GMC, online at sherwoodchevrolet.com. When you're hurt or in trouble, you need a capable, determined, and experienced lawyer on your side. That attorney is Jason Mattioli. Attorney Jason Mattioli is a highly regarded and professional lawyer who understands sometimes good people wind up in trouble. He will defend you to the end and provide you with the guidance you need to get your life back. Attorney Mattioli is located at 700 Vine Street in Scranton. Call 570-961-1616. 570-961. 1616. For over 35 years, Fitness Headquarters in Wilkes-Barre and Dixon City has been supplying the area with vitamins, supplements, fitness equipment from rehabilitation to athletic performance. A knowledgeable staff on hand can get you on the right path to your recovery with the proper supplements and vitamins. Let the professionals at Fitness Headquarters get you on the path to feeling good and getting healthy. Fitness Headquarters are proud sponsors of Sharing Recovery. Fitness Headquarters, Dixon City and and wilkes Get into a healthy you through recovery. Stop suffering from substance abuse. Silver Pines Treatment Center in Mahanoy City believes in providing home-like living conditions in a peaceful and serene setting, professional staff on hand to help you with this life-changing experience. Get into a healthy you at Silver Pines Treatment Center, 5 White Owl Drive in Mahanoy City. Call them at 855-662-1319 or visit silverpinstreatmentcenter.com.
1: Welcome to the Orphan Diaries. Here's the founder of Food for Orphans,
2: Gary Van Dyke.
0: Ken doesn't know how old he is. He guesses at around seven.
1: His whole life has been centered on finding food. You see, he lives at the dump, and he's never been anywhere else. You can find Ken walking in a decaying landfill of rotting garbage, plastic bags, and shards of broken
0: glass. His parents are long gone. Ken is one of about a hundred children living in the dump. Some live with their parents. Others are orphaned, abandoned, alone. They walk around the dump hoping to find a bit of food to get them through the day. They'll eat whatever food they can find. For them, there's no such thing as food too rotten to eat. Ken also collects bottles and plastic for three cents a sack, and it takes nearly all day for the seven-year-old to earn three cents. His bare feet are filthy and ribboned with cuts. The shoes he finds are usually
1: unwearable. To many Ken and children like him are invisible, but they're not,
0: are they?
2: For more information, visit www.foodfororphans.org.
0: We were on vacation when my son developed a very high fever. We had to find an emergency room quickly in an unfamiliar city. We had no idea where to go. Some ERs are more prepared for children than others. One in five children will visit an emergency room this year. The Find ER Now app locates the closest ERs that are more likely to be prepared for your child. It was a terrifying night for us, but because we had the Find ER Now app, we found the care he needed. To get the app or more information right now, go to OurBabyFoundation.org.
1: The Frank Andrews Show. One school district in Pennsylvania has a new policy heading into the new school term. You only need a 50 to get a passing grade. The dumbing down of America? The Commonwealth Foundation analyzing the new state budget has questions about 35 million of your tax dollars.
0: And more rain? Have a good weekend. Frank Andrews, weekday afternoons from 3 to 6 on WILK News Radio.
1: Okay, we're back in the last few minutes. This is going by real quick today. Um, Shane, as we were talking about, um, before the break, we were talking about Silver Pine specifically and what it's like to be in an inpatient treatment program. Now, explain what inpatient means.
2: Inpatient Treatment is you're going to stay with us. You are, um, you are under our care, our supervision for an average of twenty eight to thirty three days. You come in. Um, either you admit to detox or, or straight to residential, um, usually it's detox, um, and then you are there. You, we have a room, you do your laundry there, we feed you. Uh, um, you
1: have a room, you have a room by
2: yourself? It's like No. Um, usually men, there's two men to a room on the residential side, and the female side, uh, there's three female to a room. But the rooms are nice and big. Um, I don't know, you know, when I went to treatment, there was... Six of us to a detox room. So it's very comfortable. Um, and then, you know, what happens is, is when you're on the residential level is you start to you follow, you follow the the itinerary, you follow the program. There's group sessions, there's sessions with your primary therapist, art therapy. All right,
1: now go go slow there because again, we got people listening that don't know what we're talking about, and they don't have any clue what what it's like they're out there saying i want to go to treatment but what is it so what does that mean you have group sessions or 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 personal Tell me about that.
2: what, hap- like what, the, the, what happens is, is after we put the drugs down, um, we need to find out what's why do we keep returning to them or you know, it, are there some underlying issues? So we hold group therapy where all of the clients are, are there with primary counselors, um, to do different types of, of counseling, CBT, DBT, um, processing, you know process groups, uh, it, it's an environment where we have, as as addicts, where we're not alone. You know, it's a relatable situation where we could talk about our problems, how we're feeling on a group level.
1: All right, so it, it's not about the drugs or the alcohol. No,
2: they're just a symptom of our we, disease. Right.
1: So when we come into a, an inpatient program, we go through the detox mm-hmm. process, and the the drugs and alcohol at that point have been removed from our system. Yes. Now we're we're temporarily stable. In that environment, but now we got to figure out what was the underlying cause for our addiction, mm-hmm. and that's where this starts now, yes. right? The, the groups you're talking about, the, the the treatments that you're talking about, aren't to remove the drugs and alcohol. That yeah. happens very quickly. That right?
2: happens in the beginning. Yes. Right,
1: so what happens now?
2: So you know now it, um, our clients will meet with our with with the psychologist, Dr. Dave um see if there's any co-occurring issues anxiety depression some you know the mental health aspect of it um, so between doctor doctor dave and the the primary counselors and therapists that we have they come up with a dynamic you know unified treatment plan you know how are we going to treat this individual
1: while they're there with while you.
2: they're under with our, in our care now we have you know we have the the our format of of treatment and and what we do day in and day out but Silver Pine specializes on that individual treatment. Right. So no, nobody's the same.
1: Right. There's a, there's a general treatment plan for mm-hmm. everyone. Yes. But then each patient gets an individualized and a personalized treatment. Absolutely. Specific to them, as determined by your clinical team, yes, what their needs are. Yep. Your clinical team, uh, Bill McCabe, who's the executive director, yes. your doctor, the the chief counselors. They mm-hmm. all look at each patient and come up with. An individual protocol. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, and tell us.
2: So, uh, which can, can, it'll consist of individual sessions with the primary therapist, individual sessions with the staff psychologist, art therapy, holistic therapy. Um, Because once we put the drugs down, we're still going to have feelings and and different things that we need to do. Actually, we start to get feelings. We start to get feelings, right. Absolutely. so we teach different um, coping mechanisms and skills on how to deal with different things that we're experiencing. Um, and like, like I said, with the holistic, um, as well as the majority of our staff is in recovery. So we, we offer that that, you know, relatable experience where you people don't, you know, you have somebody that you don't know how, what I'm going through, you, you're just here to tell me what You to don't do. understand. You don't understand.
1: Oh, no, we do. We absolutely because we do. Because we have gone through the same thing you are going through. Yep. and And we, so we do understand, yep. right?
2: And I said that I said that to my mom probably a month after I, I started working at Silver Pines. I said, you know, never in a million years would I think that being a junkie checking into treatment would prepare me to be on the other side of that desk.
1: Three years later. There's no no way in this world Mm. you could have predicted where you would be three years ago when you walked into treatment. Nobody could have convinced you that day that you would be the admissions director at a treatment center helping others on a daily basis.
2: Because when they call, when when your loved one calls or if you're calling for yourself, we don't want the judgment. We don't want the stigma. We don't want the cold case answers. You know, what are these? We want to just be told that it's going to be okay. We're not being judged. Judged, you know, and that's and that's I think where where we come into to play. It's like, look, you need help. We're going to help you. You can't get there to two o'clock in the morning. We're still going to take you.
1: Right, like yesterday, I had a phone call for a woman that wanted to help her sister. Okay, and she started to tell me everything that was wrong with what was going on right then, mm-hmm. and I said, you can stop. That doesn't matter. Mm-mm. What matters is you have a loved one that needs help, and I can help you. Right now, let's. We don't judge. We don't think about it. We don't want to hear about what went on last week or last month or what's going on right this minute. Do you want help? Then we're here to help Mm -hmm. you. All right. So now we get somebody into your program. They're there. And this program starts to evolve for them. And now... What happens to the family? Do you ever do you ever involve the family?
2: Absolutely. We have MJ who is our family therapist. She's been um in the industry I think for well over twenty years. Um and she she's wonderful. So what happens is is our clients will you know, the admission will come in, the patient will come in you know, hopefully with their family at, at, at admission, um, MJ is going to meet with the family while I do the intake. If that's not how it goes um, throughout their stay there, MJ is going to coordinate family sessions, family counseling, um, phone calls, family visitations on Sundays, you know, whatever, as much as, as MJ can tie that family unit in together, because it's a family disease. Maybe only one person's using the drugs, but everybody's affected by it.
1: All right, now let me interrupt you because I think we're down to about thirty seconds. Okay. Now, a person's twenty-eight day comes. Do you just tell them goodbye, or do they Absolutely leave there not. with a plan? They
2: leave there. They leave there with an aftercare plan, a solid aftercare plan that we set up from from you know the the first day that they're there. We we find out what's going on, what's going to work best for them.
1: And some people go home. They go back to their wife, their parents. Some people go to long-term care, right? Yes. And we're. I wish we had another hour.